What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackbine, joined always by my main man, Stephen Thompson. Find us on YouTube.com slash All Steelers Talk or subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. The Pittsburgh Steelers, man, what a week. Just when you think things are getting boring, drama just comes out of nowhere, always. The hottest topic of conversation remains Deontay Johnson, Mike Tomlin addresses the situation. Some new mock drafts have the Pittsburgh Steelers making some surprising moves when it comes to this incident. And uh, there's a lot of people that have a lot of opinions on how the Pittsburgh Steelers should handle the Deontay Johnson situation moving forward. Meanwhile, the Pittsburgh Steelers get some really good defensive injury news. Two starters likely returning to action this week against the Arizona Cardinals. It is a beautiful day out in the Berg. It is freezing cold, though. Not going to lie to you. Took the trash out this morning. Almost lost a toe because I forgot to put Crocs on, but it is what it is. How are we feeling, my friend? Yeah, I'm freezing. Um, <laughs> like, all week is just I have a little space heater I keep in my room. I got to keep me it too. right next to me to, like, keep to keep me warmed up. You know, this is um, – winter's finally here, man. This is, like, we, we went – straight from right after thanksgiving they're like all right you're gonna you're gonna freeze your ass off for the next three months you gotta deal with it that is that is true that is i'm i'm with you with the space heater it sits right next to me and by the end of the show honestly like it starts off so in the morning it's like zero degrees in the office and Mm -hmm. i turn it on and by the end of the show it gets so hot next to me and i can't like push it you know because it's metal and it's hot so i'm like just slowly inching down a sweat Mm. and i'm like all right all right we're almost (laughs) there we're almost there but yeah it is uh it is that time of year the arizona cardinals come to town donnie droon comes to town this weekend and i keep texting him and i'm just like dude you're gonna die out here like do you have a winter coat are you prepared for the fact that it's like seven degrees he keeps saying things he's like he's like oh we'll go to the strip district and we'll do this. And I'm like, we're going to go outside. You want to go outside in this weather? I don't know how he's going to survive, but it should be, uh, should be helpful for the Pittsburgh Steelers when the Arizona Cardinals come to town this weekend. Let's dive into really the biggest and the only news surrounding the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. And that is Deontay Johnson. Everybody saw on Sunday, the social media highlight, the cameras catching him just completely ignoring a fumble, walking away not making a block. We talked about it on Monday. Bad situation. This comes a week after him and Minka Fitzpatrick get into a little skirmish in the locker room following the loss to the Cleveland Browns. Again, all around Deontay Johnson making headlines for the wrong reasons. Mike Tomlin addresses it yesterday. And while he didn't say a whole ton and made it clear that he was going to let Deontay address the situation before he added more color to it, he did say that Deontay does have to answer for what happened with the media and with his teammates. You heard those comments. Did, uh, did you have any thoughts? To me, it was, uh, it was a bit surprising that Tomlin said that Deontay needed to be accountable for, for what happened in the game. Yeah, it's interesting what kind of uh, of those like reality TV things that Mike yeah. Tomlin does like to kind of dip his toe into. I mean, this was... Like you said, I was surprised as well. Um, I thought he was going to kind of keep it under wraps, diminish it, you know, even if they address it in house. I didn't think he was going to, you know, make a statement like that publicly and yeah. and kind of call out Deontay a little bit publicly and say that this is something that he's got to address, especially with his teammates. Um, but it makes sense. I mean, it was a it was an effort play in a close game, and this is a team that's 
wouldn't say fighting for their life, but you know, at times the season has had their back against the wall, you know, and yeah. uh, if you don't believe that everyone's kind of pushing in the same direction and, and fighting in that same way, then uh, it's understandable why he would be upset with it and why the rest of his teammates kind of deserve an answer for that. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't at all expect Mike Tomlin to really air this kind of thing publicly. And like you said, he didn't say much, but he said enough, you know, like anyone yeah. who's, who's kind of listen to Mike for long enough or for even, you know, not very long, like knows that knows that this is unusual and it takes something pretty extraordinary and pretty special to draw this kind of response out of him. Yeah, I agree. Like this is it, when I said it, I mean, we were talking before the show, I was sitting behind the reporter in the press conference that asked the question and they have a little GoPro set up and you like could clearly see my face in the background just like oh gosh what do we like this isn't going to do anything this is too early in the press conference he's going to ignore it and then it's just going to end awkwardly no he straight up straight up ignore and like for people who are like why wouldn't you ask that question there's like a strategic way of right. when you ask questions that you know is going to piss off Mike Tomlin because you know that that's like almost always the end of the press conference so you hold those questions till the end this one was dropped right in the middle thought it was going to explode no He's real straightforward about the situation. And I thought even the way he, you know, I guess ignored the situation still added color to it. Like he kept saying, I'm not going to add color. I'm not going to, I'm not going to comment on it. But he said small things like, you know, you can't let the emotions of the last play affect this play, which just acknowledges like, hey, I saw it. Like I realized this is a bad moment and it's more of like things will be addressed but I'm just not going to say anything right now. And I'm going to let Deontay handle that. Cause also on a Tuesday, the players haven't gotten there yet this week. Deontay hasn't had an opportunity to sit there and say anything to his teammates or to his coach or whatever. I do expect that Tomlin during film reviews definitely had something to say. And like, I mean, we know we've heard horror stories from like Kendrick green has told me some real, real bad things where he's just sat there and Tomlin has just torn them apart in front of the whole team. Kevin Dotson too. Tomlin doesn't hold back in these meetings. Like when they're going over film, Tomlin does not sit there and like, oh, well, you know, like he'll call you out. And I'm sure that that did happen behind closed doors. But just to acknowledge, just like you said, that he does have to address it. That's that is significant, especially because Deontay did say something after the game. But I kind of felt like it was a whatever comment. Didn't really realize or in his understanding, he was like, yeah, like, I don't really care. Like it is what it is. Who It happens. I think now that two days has passed and he's clearly been on social media, he's realized how big of a stir that play actually caused amongst the fan base and amongst the NFL. Big things. There are some uh, there are some theories, I guess, about how the Pittsburgh Steelers should handle the situation moving forward. Andrew Filipponi of 93.7 The Fan, which as soon as I say that name, I know half the YouTube comments are going to be like, why are we talking about this? It's it. Look it. It's it the what he said is definitely a talking point and needs to be discussed on this podcast. And that is that if Deontay doesn't handle the situation well, if he doesn't address it to the team in a manner that Mike Tomlin believes is suitable, you bench him for the Cardinals game. Is that a possibility? Is that even a thought in the Pittsburgh Steelers heads when it comes to I mean, you have to acknowledge that they are very much so in the playoff race right now, still in the AFC North hunt and like. I mean, as crazy as it sounds, they're a game off of first place in the AFC. Like there is everything right. is possible for this team right now. Would you even consider benching Deontay Johnson for a whole game and maybe just for like the first series? 
first series, yeah, that that could be one thing, but at that point, that feels like a symbolic gesture that doesn't actually really do anything. And yeah, I, I don't really think they should. You know, assuming that Deontay, you know, does take the right steps and talks to his teammates about it and takes responsibility for it, like I don't think benching him really helps anyone. Like you said, like yeah. I think it punishes the entire team for something that Deontay did. Um, I still think the Steelers are better with him than they are without him. Um, so I, I don't really see a whole lot of value in in benching him and uh, you know, hurting the team at this point in the season when, like I said, they have kind of fought tooth and nail to get to even where they are, which is in a really good spot, despite, you know, the way it might feel. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think benching him is a little bit of, you know, cutting off your nose to spite your face. Like it's, it's, it just hurts everyone. And, and I don't think it, I don't think it teaches Deontay anything. I don't think it, you know, I don't think it shows your teammates that like, I don't know. It, it feels, feels like more of a symbolic gesture than anything anything actual real, like a real consequence for, for anything that Deontay did. Do you, do you think that Deontay like addresses this and handles this appropriately this week with his teammates? I mean, he has to, like, I don't understand. I don't see how you could kind of walk into an offensive meeting and look the rest of your teams in the uh, team in the eye, not say anything and then go back out on game day and, and have them have any faith in you, you know, like mm-hmm. every, I, everyone else in that huddle would dive on a loose ball if it was, if it was there for them. And if you're not willing to do that, then I don't really know how you could, could be in a huddle with those guys, how you could trust each other to, to give your best efforts. So it, I think you're going to notice if, if Deontay doesn't, you know, like it's, yeah. I, I mean, just, I, I, I can't obviously put myself in, in their shoes, but I would be, you know, furious if I had a teammate who clearly and, and demonstrably didn't give his best effort, didn't care about it, tried to deflect from it in the post game, and didn't even have kind of the the courage to address it with me, someone who, you know, had been out there with him, was battling with him, and, and would have, you know, would have dove on a loose ball and, and probably has at some point during my career while I'm playing with him. That would, I just think Deontay has to like, there's no way in my mind that he doesn't recognize that this is something that he needs to do. So I kind of expect him to, um, I I just feel like that's how everyone knows that, that, that kind of situation should be handled. So I don't know. It's, I guess you never really know, but I, I feel like there's just no way that you can walk back into a locker room like that and, and not address something like that. Yeah. Deontay. I mean, like the way I look at it is, is you're exactly right. Think about, even even if you just ignore the fumble and, and could say like, oh, he didn't see it, he didn't realize, blah, 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 which is, I mean, that's just terrible. And that's because you didn't have any effort on that play to begin with. To just look at it in, in like the bigger picture of he gave up on a play because he didn't get his way the play before. Just think about every other position. Offensive linemen get toasted on the regular. And the next play, they just have to go out there and get punched in the face again and act like, Nothing happened at all. Jalen Warren fumbles the football. He's not coming out the next the next play complaining about it. Guys constantly get bad calls all the time, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and they have to just ignore it and act like nothing happened and came back the next play. Wide receiver is the only position where you could act as if you're throwing a tantrum the play after something bad happened to you or you kind of got screwed. And I like I'll admit that I thought it was a touchdown, should have been a touchdown but it doesn't give anybody the exception of, oh, well, I'm giving up on this next play because I'm mad at the reps. Like, that's just, 
it makes the whole situation worse and it and it makes it your fault like it makes that play that drop nobody cares anymore all they care about is the fact that you gave up on the next play that's the part that i think has to be addressed is like look at guys like i gotta i gotta do better i have to not let those emotions boil up i have to i have to keep my head in the game in that moment because you never know what's going to happen and that is as clear of an example as it gets of you have to just move on because you do not know what game-changing play is going to happen on that next play. I agree. I, I think that he does address it to to the teammates. I actually, I, I honestly expect him to address it to the media when we go there this morning and say something, you know, I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be apologetic, but he is good with the media when he's not fired up. So I would expect it to be it to be a good, solid answer. When it comes to the benching, I kind of agree. Like I'm not benching him for the, for the first series. If anything, like maybe I'm not like calling his name with the starters on Sunday, but there might be a part of me that like just doesn't announce the starters at all and just goes with the defense and just kind of, you know, avoid that situation as a whole. I'm not taking him off the field. Like that's right. Sorry, but you're seven and four. You're looking to, this isn't who cares. You know, when you win a Super Bowl, nobody's going to come back to week 12 and be like, well, you didn't discipline Deontay Johnson. No, nobody's thinking about that. They're just thinking about how could we get to a Super Bowl? And Tomlin kind of said that, like, he's like, my, my direction is getting these guys ready for Sunday. I don't think he's sitting around going, how do I punish this guy and hurt the team at the same time? Oh, let's just bench him. That doesn't make a a ton of sense to me. I do think that there's a part, and this kind of leads us to this next talking point of this situation is kind of adding up to other situations becoming a bigger issue. Tomlin's addressing that it is an issue right now. Now you got people talking about, I mean, it is all over the Twitterverse of get rid of Deontay Johnson should have traded him. I, I mean, we've been doing this for years of listening to everybody and their mother talk about Deontay Johnson's got to get traded. You should have caught him a year ago. Why would you sign him? I mean, the guy's the most polarized figure on the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Athletic recently came out with, actually today, I believe this morning, came out with a mock draft. They have the Pittsburgh Steelers replacing Deontay Johnson in the first round, the 23rd pick in the draft, with LSU wideout Brian Thomas Jr. saying, quote, the way things are going with Deontay Johnson, his time in Pittsburgh might be limited. Is that a real possibility here? Is that a real train of thought for maybe the first time? Because I think we could acknowledge times past years past whenever this would come up you kind of ignore it because you're just like this isn't realistic they would never they weren't going to trade Deontay Johnson at the trade deadline this year they weren't going to get rid of him in the offseason no matter how many times fans just begged for them to do it the end of this season things might be different you know are we hitting a point where Deontay might be a consideration to be moved on from after the season well Consideration, maybe, but I don't yeah. think it's – I still don't think it's very realistic, and I don't think it's the best move for them in my mind. I still think that the Steelers are better with Deontay than they are without him, um, especially if your solution is drafting a rookie. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think there are very few rookies out there that that could be better than, than Deontay Johnson right away, and unless you're getting – you know, a pretty transcendent talent, you are not going to get someone who makes you immediately better and is an immediate upgrade over Deontay. Um, and I don't think 
it's just, uh, you know, it's interesting when we talk about the way things are going with Deontay Johnson because there yeah. have been incidents like this in the past. And this is kind of the first one I've seen. I, maybe not the first one, but like the first one I've seen break contain kind of to this level to, to get outside yeah. of Pittsburgh in this way. Um, the Steelers, I feel like, have survived those other incidents. I, I don't know what's particularly different about this one, you know? Like, mm-hmm. so I, I, I don't really understand moving on from him just yet. Um, it's funny because I was kind of on that train last year. I just thought he, you know, I just, when he was dropping touchdown passes, I was like, this is, this is not working. Let's, let's just move on and come around to the other side on him this year. I thought he's been much better. Um, yeah. I understand his numbers still aren't great, but like, I mean, we saw it when, when Deontay was out, I mean, the Steeler, the offense struggled. I mean, George Pickens was getting doubled real easily. And like, I don't think a, I mean, does a, does a rookie, no matter how good they are, does that, does that really change anything? Does that move the needle? I, I don't really think so, especially with a young quarterback. So I'm, I'm not on trade Deontay train just yet. The rookie thing does, you know, it, it weighs something because I agree with you that you can't. You can't draft a rookie no matter who it is and be like, all right, well, that's the replacement. We're all good. Same talent level. Everything's totally fine. I agree. You can't like Deontay. You're not going to replace. You're not going to find another Deontay Johnson as a rookie unless it's like you're going out to get like Marvin Harrison. But, you know, unfortunately, the Arizona Cardinals are going to do that with second overall pick. Shout out to them this weekend. You're just not you're not going to find that that luck and where the Pittsburgh Steelers draft. It's just going to get like lower and lower. Like you're not going to. You know, your talent level decreases with every pick and the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to find themselves in the 20s. That's not, I mean, maybe higher or maybe lower, but whatever way, what is the, is it higher if you go to 30, lower if you go to 30? I would consider it lower if you go to 30. Yeah. Lower. Yeah. So you find yourself lower, talent level is going to drop a little bit more. It's just not the ideal situation. I do think that depending on how this, the rest of this season goes, you could consider it like I'm not going to rule out the consideration. There's a couple of things here. So for one, Deontay Johnson's contract up until this point, if you got rid of him, just just dead capped him, caught him, whatever, which I think is the worst idea you could you could come up with. You're losing like 20 million dollars in dead in dead money next year. It's like five point eight million dollars. Which again, if you're just cutting this guy, you're an idiot. It doesn't make any sense at all. Like, what do you? What, what's the? What is the game plan there? Oh, let's get rid of a guy who once a season takes a playoff and gets into a fight with the guy, but nobody really cares about it except for the fan base once a year. Like, that's not, you know, it's not, it's not an incident. And let's be honest, okay? We addressed this before the show. We could address it right now. Both times Deontay Johnson got into it with somebody, it worked out in the better for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The first time was Mitch Trubisky started the Kenny Pickett era, almost got them to the playoffs. Like Deontay Johnson was almost the reason the Pittsburgh Steelers made the postseason in 2022. And then this year, all that happens. Najee says his thing. Art Rooney's seeing it all. He's had enough of this. And two days later, it's over. Matt Canada's fired. The Pittsburgh Steelers needed one game to break a 400-yard, 59-game streak, one game. Shout out to Deontay Johnson. So both times this has worked out. I'm not saying it's what you do or it's a positive. I'm just saying in the grand scheme of things, it's not as bad as people are going to blow it up and make it out to be. Well, yeah, I mean, in both those incidents, I mean, Deontay maybe didn't approach those situations 
yeah. in the best way, but I think he might have hit on something that everyone was feeling, you know? Like Yes. And and we haven't touched on this yet, but like Pat Pete saying that it was it was good anger, you know, the yes. last the last incident. Um I think that's like the the uh, I don't know, it seems like it's a good representation of these two incidents are a good description of it because it is while maybe the reaction was inappropriate, I don't think the source of his anger was inappropriate at all or off base. You know, it was something that maybe the team needed to hear and it seemed like they feel they feel that way. I think Pat Beat kind of does speak for the room in that sense. Like he's old enough and a veteran and has a beat on on what the locker room's like enough to know that Deontay wasn't necessarily wrong, even if he went about it the wrong way. Yeah, and there, I mean, Cam said something along those lines too, of just like it, people are passionate about this and they don't like losing, and it comes out as it comes out. And I think all of those things, you could remove all of those things. You know, again, does he doesn't go about them the correct manner? But he, you know, this is a passion-driven league. I just you have to have a deeper understanding in that, and I just don't think we do. But the outside of the giving up on the fumble play. I don't really have huge problems with the rest of it. The giving up on the fumble play is a bad, like that's the one that's the like, Oh, that's, that's as bad as it gets. The rest of them. I'm like, whatever back to the whole situation. You're kind of looking at Deontay Johnson. Like maybe you start to look at other options. Just, just if, if it presents itself, you know what I'm saying? Because a couple of things here, when it goes back to his contract, you're only getting one more year out of Deontay Johnson. You're not going to resign him. Like you're not you're not keeping Deontay Johnson around for another contract, especially when wide receiver contracts are through the roof and you have George Pickens. And according to the athletic, you're going to end up with another wide receiver. I just don't I, I don't see how financially that makes sense, because you're going to start finding yourself in situations where George Pickens needs a contract. Pat Fryermuth needs a contract. T.J. Watt's going to need another deal. Cam Hayward, if he's sticking around, he's going to need a situation like there's. There, there are guys, you got half your offensive line is about to have their contracts expire. You're not in the most ideal situation to just go hand money to a wide receiver. You were the last time you signed Deontay Johnson. You're not this time. I don't think that, that, that he sticks around longer than next season. So maybe if you're just looking to get something, get a return on a guy that maybe you could replace, that does make sense. I think this is the first time that that's a real conversation that people could have in the offseason. I also think, you know, going back to my initial point here, if the rest of the season plays out where George Pickens just like takes off, and these are all super crazy hypotheticals, but if George Pickens like takes off for the rest of the season and just explodes into the superstar wide receiver and maybe Calvin Austin comes alive a little bit, I mean, maybe that pushes the needle. Maybe you just look at it and go, well, we have a superstar in George. We could try to develop Calvin into something and then we could get another number two. But I think a lot of that comes to like what you could get for Deontay Johnson, which is a good question. What could you get for Deontay Johnson? Like, what do you what is the what is the capital on a guy who will be 28 years old next season and has one year left on his deal? I don't know, like second rounder, right? Second round picks a great deal for Deontay. Like, are you saying no yeah. to that if you get that offer? Well, no, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I would love a second. round. It just feels weird to like. Like for Chase Claypool to have gone for his second rounder, yeah, like that th that doesn't feel like Deontay should be like on that same level. Um, but yeah, but let's you know, just Chase. Chase was the worst deal in the last ten years of the NFL uh, trade wise. No, I guess that's not even uh, true. Deion Deshaun Watson is up there. Yeah, so. I was gonna say um, wide receiver wise, he might be. It might be up there. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I, I feel like a second is pretty realistic. I mean, like, for as much as we're complaining about him, like, he's still still good. Like, I mean. Oh, very good. Yeah. The production's down, but, like, this guy can still play football. Um, and he's still, like, a, can be a security blanket for a quarterback. So I feel like there would be a lot of teams that would be interested in, in Deontay Johnson, especially, like, I don't know, like you're not giving up a first, like a first round pick. It's it's weird, like feels like way too much. But a second round pick, like feels like way too little. But there's no mm-hmm. kind of middle ground there. Um, but I still think you could get you could get a pretty decent return for Deontay Johnson. I just, I don't know. I, I man, I, I'm struggling with this one because I feel like you make a lot of sense with uh, you know, with the idea that like his contract's up next year and. You're definitely not going to resign him. I agree with you there. So, like, you know, I feel like the smart kind of like economical move is you trade him. You get the most out of him before he walks. But like, just in my head, like, I don't know. I getting rid of him. But if you're going to get rid of him anyway, like if you if you're not going to resign him, if you're just going to let him walk, then you might as well trade him at that point. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's 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 a weird situation where it does. There are some areas that it makes a lot of sense. There are some that. It doesn't, but it, for the first time, there's uh, we keep going back to this, but for, this is the first time where like there's enough where you like have something to stand on when it comes to making that argument. Again, we'll see. As of right now, this is a situation that you're just sitting around going, now eh, you're kind of waiting for Deontay to talk. Outside mm-hmm. of that, there's nothing like the Steelers aren't going to cut him. They're not going to bench him. That nothing. Yeah. This is just a. This is the beginning of a conversation that I don't think Deontay wanted to put himself in. Unfortunately, he did, and now that conversation has sparked. All right, let's move on. Let's finish up talking about some injuries here. The Pittsburgh Steelers could get two starters to their defense back. Minka Fitzpatrick and Montrevis Adams finally have the light on to return. Demonte KZ said after the Bengals game, when talking about the safety rotation and where he's playing, he said. We all know Minka's coming back this week anyway, so it doesn't even matter. Everybody's like, what? Well, nobody else knew. I don't even think Mike Tomlin knew. I don't think Minka Fitzpatrick knew that he was coming back this weekend. That being said, they are locker mates. I'm sure that they have plenty of conversations. I'm sure that they know. Demonte KZ knows a hundred times more than any of us know. That being, you know, with that, Minka Fitzpatrick, Montrevis Adams, both coming back. How big of a boost is this to get Minka back? And at the same time, you found something in Trenton Thompson, I believe. Is he still part of this defense moving forward? Is he still part of the rotation? Can you use him in three safety sets? Or do you just go back to what you know with two starters in Minka and DeMonte? Yeah, well, obviously, I mean, huge. Like, Minka Fitzpatrick is is a bona fide superstar in this league. Like, yes. he's a great communicator. There's there's no question that this is going to be a huge lift. Um, and I think in that same vein, it's kind of not a great deal for Trent Thompson. Um I think you're right. I think they did find a little bit of something with him there, but just who are you taking off the field for Trent Thompson? Like, yeah. uh, you know, it's not it's not easy. Um, even with Demonte KZ, I feel like the gap there is still pretty big. Sure, they can use him in some some three safety sets. Like, I'm, I'm sure that's possible. But um, you know, ideally, you're going to have you make a Fitzpatrick and Demonte KZ out there. Those are your two best safeties. So um, this doesn't you know spell good things for Trent Thompson, but I think you're still better for it. You know, the idea that, that he got some starting experience, that he got some snaps in there and played really well in those snaps and in a tough environment and 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 everything like that um, is really encouraging. And, I mean, like, it's, 
injuries happen, you know, you still are going to rotate guys a little bit. Um, so to to know that you have someone competent back there who won't allow you to miss a beat um, is really, really nice and really, really encouraging, especially considering, I mean, we haven't talked about the secondary really at all, it feels like, since no. the before the bye week, quite honestly. Um, yeah. Like, they've really tightened up, and for Thompson to step in there and to allow that unit not to, like, miss a beat at all um, was really, really impressive. So um, good stuff for him. It's just unfortunate that, you know, it's Minka Fitzpatrick in front of him. That's the guy's spot he was taking. That's It's not going to be an easy one to take back when, when Minka's healthy. No, no, definitely not. Yeah, I agree. The, this is... You'll see a little bit of Trenton Thompson. I think you'll see. I, I think you'll see your fair share of them because you know two things here. Like you're not going to want to take Minka off the field, but he also has missed the last four games, so you're not going to want to see him go from zero to a hundred. That'll take a couple of weeks to ease back into it. And luckily, they have two games where they don't really have to stress about the offenses that they're going against in the Arizona Cardinals and the New England Patriots. So you could kind of like look at that as just like you know, a bridge. You're just slowly building it back in so that Mink is ready for the end of the season. And then at the same time, you want DeMonte off the field a little bit because he's been playing. I don't know exactly how many snaps he's taken, but I mean, I don't think I've seen him off the field in like four weeks. And at some point that's going to add up. He's a guy who's like 28, 29 years old. So you do want to take him off the field a little bit. I think the best part of this is that like Keanu Neal, good player. I thought he was reliable. I'd like Trenton Thompson better. Like I look at Trent Thompson and be like, oh yeah, I think he provides a spark. I think he's got ball skills that Keanu does not have. You're obviously going to hit hiccups. And the fact that this guy doesn't have any film on him certainly helped the last two weeks and his play will go down because of that. But I just think as like a reliable, like you weren't sending Keanu Neal deep and saying, Hey, protect, protect, like be, be center field. You could do that with Trent Thompson. And I think that that, that will allow the Steelers to kind of, utilize him as a as a replacement just like you said like he's not going to be off the field completely but it'll be a minimal role but in that minimal role I think he could could still produce something when it comes to Montrevis Adams big question obviously is Keanu Benton still the starter is this is this Keanu Benton's role now and you know do you fit it back in like the way that Montrevis Adams is still listed as the starter on the depth chart but do you see this being the rookie's job now even if he's back I, I don't. I think Montrevious oh. will still start. Um, I think he'll still maybe take a majority of the snaps. I mean, Keanu's definitely played too well to keep him glued to the bench, so yeah. he's going to rotate in heavily. Um, but I think we're kind of like this is different from safety, obviously, and and yeah. very different from a, another position. But this feels a little bit like the running back rotation a little bit. You know, like mm-hmm. you've got an, a, a little bit of an older veteran who's played well. You don't really necessarily have a reason to bench him other than the fact that this young guy is playing really well behind him. So I, I think you can use both of them. Um, and like, I think it's the same thing as the Minka thing too. Whereas Mon hasn't played in a while. He's going to have to mm-hmm. ease, him, ease his way back in and that's going to create tons of opportunities for Keanu. And if, if Keanu can kind of keep up the same level of play, maybe we have this conversation again further down the road and, and we talk about it differently. But I think right now you still kind of stick with Mont as the starter and you give him a chance to lose the job, you know, like yeah. you, you give him a chance to, you know, play worse than Keanu, I guess, for, for lack of a better term. And if Keanu's the better guy, then he'll absolutely rise to the top. That's just kind of natural. But for right now, I think you, you kind of got to give 
Mata start and give him his fair share of reps uh, before demoting him. Yeah, I, I agree with the starter thing. I don't think that Keanu takes off. Like, I think it's Montrevious's job. Montrevious like, earned that job. He was playing phenomenal before the ankle injury. There was no... There was no dip in his game. There was like he was yeah. he was a very strong and solid part to the Steelers defensive line. I could see that split once fully healthy. You know, there's going to be a buildup, like you said, and the same thing with Minka. But once fully healthy, I could see that split almost being 50 50 just because the Steelers have two studs at that position. Like that's they, mm. that's their best depth wise. That is definitely their best position on the defensive line. And. I think you utilize both of those guys because Keanu is a stud like Keanu's having he's balling out and you go back like whenever I come back and I watch these games after I go through the or after we get back from the games or whatever and I turn him back on Keanu is like he he's he's making maybe minimal impact in in, ster- in terms of like a stat line but he is all over the field his ball recognition is nuts like if it is it, he could identify whether it's a pass or a screen or run play so quickly, it's wild. And I think that that is something that you just want to build on just because he's the future, obviously. But you have two stars. They're both young stars. You're going to try to utilize them both. I agree. I could see like a 50-50 split. I could also see Keanu starting to move a little bit and play you know, behind Cam Hayward and behind Larry Ogunjobi and kind of like fill other other gaps in the defensive line just because Montrevious is out there. You want your best guys out there. I could see it, but I do agree with you. I don't think Montrevious goes to the bench. I think he t- comes back as a starter, and I think he's earned that starting job, even as much as Keanu's earned that starting job too. But you're not going to pull somebody just to just to pull them. Not not at this point. Not not at this point in the season, and not at this point in anybody's career. Like Keanu is not a second year guy who needs to be in the starting lineup. He's a rookie who gets a ton of playing time, and he'll continue to get a ton of playing time even without that that starting label. I uh, I agree 100%. All right. With that said, we're heading out of here. Thank you guys so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash All Steelers Talk. Check us out anywhere. You get your podcast to find all of our work at allsteelers.com, all our pit coverage at insidethepanthers.com. I got a special podcast coming out for you guys tomorrow with the uh, legendary Donnie Droon coming to town. So make sure you guys check that one out. Probably go up about 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. Check that out on our YouTube page, anywhere you get your podcasts. Enjoy a cold but beautiful day in the Berg. Peace.